Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How's everybody doing? Another Tuesday night. We're back. We got Justin Bags, the Creative Monsters creator. We got Blue Hawks, John Shear, Jake Malik up top. Still waiting on Home Run 61, Power and Judge. I don't know what's going on with that. We'll talk about that. We'll, we'll get to that at some point. So, Justin, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? Good. Thanks for having me. I'm doing really well. How are you guys doing? Doing well. So, tell us, before we start, tell us about uh, Create Monsters for the people that don't know. Uh, Creating Monsters has been going on for about 15 years, starting in January 12th next year. Uh, my soon-to-be 20-year-old son at the time uh, was basically just hanging out with dad, you know, typical dad and son time at the, at the gym. And we're at a, uh, another facility back then where I was an assistant coach. And um, I was very fortunate enough to have three kids uh, with me for – I still train them to this day, matter of fact. So that's going 15 years now. Uh, basically the point where a little five-year-old was going, hey, dad, you're creating monsters. And it just stuck in my head. And I've been All doing right. it since, yeah. So a little five-year-old creator. I got to bring this comment up because I swear, and, and JB, Justin, John can all corroborate the story. We were just saying before the show started to one another how John looks like he's younger than me now. He <laughs> looks like he, he looks like, you know, he's in his 20s. I mean – Yes. I, looks... I love this comment because this is exactly what I said. I said to John, I said, are you trying to look like me? I look trying to my thunder. winning games makes me, makes me younger. So the more they win, oh, the younger God. I feel. It yeah. took him less than two minutes to bring that up. And I knew he would. <laughs> guys, <laughs> guys, we have a guest. We, we got a guest. John's looks, although they may be important to a woman in Pennsylvania, are not important to any of us. Oh, See, John, man. I got you off the hook. You owe me. Thank you. <laughs> so after you created the brand, you know, which I got to give your son a lot of credit. That was an awesome, awesome name. Um, you know, uh, who, who are some of the people you've had the opportunity to trade so far? Uh, currently, I've been working with a center named Jeremiah Kalani. He's playing for the L.A. Rams right now. Trent Irwin with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Jesse Bay, Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Lane Johnson with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, trying to think who else on top of my head. Uh, baseball wise, Daniel Zamora, LA Dodgers, Chris Campos, LA Dodgers, uh, Harrison Spahn, uh, Marlins organization, Carlos Morales, uh, Milwaukee Brewers, um, and then a ton of uh, a ton of college athletes. 
um, at the D1 all the way down to NAIA level, and then obviously enough uh, with the Jordan brand too as well. So now being a personal trainer, that's going to be a pretty competitive business. And imagine, you know, people could just, you know, try and take your clients and everything and your reputation and who you've worked with has got to be a huge deal as far as uh, why people would come to you because they could see their success and their failures on the field, right? Correct. I mean, it, it's it's not a numbers game for me anymore. Uh, it's not like uh, I tell any anyone that I work with, I'm not here to put your name on the wall or your jersey, hang up your jersey. It's like, if you want to give me a jersey, that's cool. But, you know, I, I take pride into my job. I take pride into my work. I take pride into the person I'm working with. Um, and it's the point where when they perform on the field, you know, good or bad, you know, I, I take credit for it. You know, even if they do really bad, they get hurt. You know, I feel responsible personally. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it's just freak accidents. But when they do really well, uh, I, I just like any like any dad, you know, you take pride in your kids. Like I don't even call my clientele. I call my kids. You know, I am the old man, in the group, you know, so but I, uh, I they are younger than me. So I, I treat them like they're my own child, you know, and uh, I look out for them. I just kind of text them, call them. Hey, how's it going? You know, especially with adults, you know. They have kids too, so I think I relate better, uh, relate well to them. They I mean, like, you know, me being a dad myself of two kids, uh, two boys, so um, I, I can relate in that level rather than just treating like a clientele, you know. And uh, just like, hey, give me your money. And it's not, it's not about the money for me, you know. So, you know, um, a lot of trainers these days are just looking for credibility. I don't look for credibility. I look for quality in the, in the individual. So I think I, that's why I'm able to last 20 years in the industry and 15 years in the business is that I literally put my heart and soul into the, into the individual. And I just, the quality of training that I, I uh, provide for them is, is, is top notch. Yeah. So you, you talk about training and I, uh, JB kind of brought it up, uh, you know, said, Oh, I'm waiting for judge to hit 61, but I wanted to ask you, and, and you might have some good insight on this is the last couple seasons somewhere in the regular season. So I'm not jinxing anything here. By saying this, Judge has been, you know, out usually somewhere in the middle of the season, out for an extended period of time with some sort of injury, right? Mm -hmm. You don't know his workouts, probably. You know, you don't know the extent of what he does, what his recoveries are, but he is a freak in terms of just his size and the sport he plays. You know, there's not a lot of guys like him. Do you have any insight that you might be able to say why maybe this season, maybe what he may have changed or what he could be doing has prevented him from getting hurt as opposed to maybe why he was hurt? Uh, the last couple seasons as much as he was? I mean, personally, I don't know him individually. I don't know the guy he's working with. So, I mean, other than if you look in the past regiments that he's probably done, I mean, he probably, you know, like any like any athlete, they they post them up on YouTube. You know, it's probably just – they probably changed up just a little bit as far as maybe a mobility issue. And, you know, it could have been a, where he was lifting heavy throughout his whole career, and that's where he's getting injured. And these guys probably tailored back saying, hey, let's look at longevity now. And I just had a – it's funny that you said this. I just had a discussion with our um, uh, minor league uh, pitcher for the, for the Milwaukee Brewers organization. He's been in the league already for four years. He's at the the cusp of making uh, AAA into the majors and basically the point where if you're consistently doing this, we, all, we only want you to focus on this for this offseason. Great. Okay, so now you're 
double uh, A, going to triple A, and if you keep continuing this, this route, you'll go, you'll be called up pretty soon. And now what we did was he was working out with another facility and then same thing, injured. Not saying that the other facility was causing the injury, but it just didn't know his body as well as they should have, you know. And yeah. then he comes to me. He wasn't very strong enough, so he's topping out at, you know, I think 91, 92 average at lefty, you know, and um, I see potential him being a five and six at the time. And so I like, all right, let's work on strength, work on strength and work on plyos. And then now going into this, uh, this minor league season, he's throwing three and four consistently. So he gained two miles per hour just during uh, – uh, you know, off season period with me and then carrying that three and four range all the way to the end of the season. And so their, their coach is telling them, Hey, you know, let's work on this regimen here. I like it. And you'll be called up pretty soon. And so now I'm telling him, let's work on the corrective stuff. Longevity. Now let's look on, let's look on past this feature. Now you've been in this minor league for four years now. Let's think about the future rather than going, okay, uh, let's get stronger again. Let's do all this stuff that we've done in the past. But now let's think about the future now. So let's work on mobility, corrective exercises, uh, range of motion, just body flow in general. And then once you start throwing again, then we'll start incorporating that strength training again there. And uh, we just started doing that this week already. And uh, he's <laughs> his body was going, whoa, I've never done this before. But um, I, I think he, he's in that range where he'll hit uh, – five and six in, in, in no time at all. So I think, awesome. Aaron, I think with Aaron Judd, he's, he's on that verge of, I think what he does, he just changed the entire routine, eating regimen, mobility, stuff like that. I mean, just you see how his body moves, how a big frame, it's not like stiff like it was in the past two, three years ago. It's, it's fluent, even with his swing, you know, I, my, my master's is in biomechanics. So, um, uh, I teach biomechanics at a, a junior college over here in California. So I, that's all I do is I study movements. And so watching Aaron Judd swing and a lot of uh, batter swing, it, it's an easy flow. I'm like, oh, okay. And I know what his body's doing, what it's, what he needs to work on or what he's did. He's done, I guess you can say. Yeah. So, all right, let me ask you this then. Since if you know biomechanics, so you, you, I can get into a little more nitty gritty stuff with you then. Um, Albert Pujols, who John, I know you don't like him. I don't want to hear it. Just don't say a word. We'll talk about that after. He hit number seven hundred recently, um, and overall, his this has been one of the better seasons we've seen from him in the last, let's just say, five years. Just to simplify, right? He he looks better than he has in the past. Is there anything you've seen from him uh, on the field? You know, or in his stance or the way he's taking at bats? Have you seen anything that's maybe giving you any indication why he's he's hitting better and he's looking like he used to a little bit more. I mean, you know, understanding that he's, as he's a little bit older, but he's, he's starting to look a little bit like what we, what we used to expect from Albert. And you know, it's funny you said that because I actually know the guy who works with him. Uh, down okay. in so Reed, Reed, he's, he, he's, he's a great trainer. He's a great coach. So basically same thing. He went back to, okay, let's work on the things that you weren't doing in the past. And that's what he does really well in, in in his business with a lot of baseball players, is that he finds the little stuff that that the player's not doing, and he finds their strengths and weaknesses, and he just picks on it. And that's what we do over here too. So it's just kind of like everyone has their own type of style, 
of addressing different things. You know, I think with Albert was that a lot of things is that him being older, his body just was worn down from all that just wear and tear, I guess you can say, of being so powerful and and then and then carrying that weight with him too as well, where they kind of want to step back and going like, we're going to just work on just basic movements, you know, reintroducing yourself to your body, you know, we got to think about when you retire, you know, you be able to move around for your kids and stuff like that in general. And he bought in and look how, look how well he's yeah. doing right now, you know? I know. He's, he looks like he's returning to uh, yeah. his younger self, right? Yeah. It's just oh, too bad he couldn't do that stuff with the Dodgers when he was with the Dodgers. So, I mean, just, uh, <laughs> so you know, trusted. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an L.A. fan, so, you know. Hey, at least you're honest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, last couple of years, the pandemic, a lot of people gained weight, you know, haven't been as active. How has it been different for the athletes the last couple of years with your workouts for them? with, you know, us not being able to go out and do what we normally would, you know, like three, four years ago? Well, it's more like a mental thing. I, I think that's probably the, the best thing that, to address it is just mentally because it, it was taxing for all of us, you know, and it was very high stress level and uh, more of a of a fear, I guess you can say, uh, and that whether if it's okay to go in, stay in, go out, you know, and then, you know, you have – uh, individuals not aware of what's going on, just live in fear. And so it was more like a, of a mental aspect when we were working here. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, you know, during the pandemic, it did hit us in a certain way, but um, I kept my doors open. Uh, I worked, you know, we, well, we did the whole sneaky, sneaky, you know, three, three taps on the door. We knew it was that person <laughs> open the door for a little bit come in if you're not if the door closes you can't come in park away from the facility you know we did all that stuff there because i knew that this is what the individuals needed they needed something a routine because they're on a routine as as it is you know and so to take them out of that routine it would have been mentally tasking for them and they didn't know what to do or you know we found ways to work with individuals still you know you know zoom uh, home workouts, online stuff, um, and more importantly, just checking in on them, you know, it just individuals to see how they were. So uh, for, you know, during the pandemic, it was just more like, can we mentally get these guys in tune still, and, and the girls too, don't get me wrong, and the girls, uh, keep them in tune as far as knowing what the goal is still at hand, that they, they still have to play. And, um, you know, still keeping in ta- uh, communication with their coaches and see what the, 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 the season was going to be like. And if they are going to do it, um, how many games, so on and so forth. So we were just preparing for them for that number of games. And even like during like the, the football season, um, we were still unaware of whether we we're going to do it, uh, what are the protocols they had to do. So uh, me being a co- coach too as well at a junior college, you know, we were trying to figure out as we go, like we were getting tested three times a week. You know, I was getting tired of just getting up my nose all the time, you know, and my junior college still has to do, uh, we're still doing the testing twice a week in our, in wow. our, um, for our school. So, and we still have to wear a mask in our, in our university too. So it's, everyone's different. And, you know, uh, whereas a couple other junior colleges down the street, they don't, they don't test. You know, ours is just being protocol test, you know, safety oriented. We get tested every Monday, Thursday in order for the play on Saturday, you know. And it's still still stress. It's still mentally stressed for us, you know, just making sure everyone's oh, like, yeah. 
did you get tested? Hey, we're negative, you know, all that stuff in general. That's what it, it really hurt everyone too. Oh, I'm sure. That's, that's awesome. So uh, another thing, I mean, what that you've done throughout your career, you've built great relationships with brands. You know, you work uh, very closely with the Jordan brand. You travel from coast to coast. You've worked with uh, UCLA, if I'm correct, right? Uh, you know. Yeah, uh, University uh, of Colorado. I was their, their strength coach for a little University bit. University of Colorado. I mean, you, you've been all over. You travel from, you know, Beverly Hills, L.A., New York City, Philadelphia. You know, how have you been able to, to create these bonds and, you know, build your business doing that? Well, at first, when I first got started with Jordan, I wasn't even aware that the, the person that linked me with them was even affiliated with Jordan. <laughs> so come to find out, uh, her dad was actually the VP for Jordan. So, um, and then when they uh, interviewed me and, and brought me on board, they just kind of said like, hey, um, what can we do to represent you? Or what what can you do for us? And uh, um, that's what I told him about my son because my son's born in 23rd and I was like 23, you know, Michael <laughs> Jordan, 23. And they, they kind of like the concept that not only they're, they're, if I be working for them, I'll be representing my child at the time, you know, so, um, but traveling and doing all that stuff in general, it just kind of built over time. So when I started working on, on one individual, I would just work on this individual, then they brought their friends and um, they were referring me. Everything I've been doing is all referral basis. So anything on social media wise, I never, uh, I'm not really good at it which is really bad to say, <laughs> but uh, I get text messages or calls. Hey, you worked on my buddy. Hey, uh, you worked on, on my on my boyfriend or my husband and wife or so-and-so were just referred. And uh, we make the connections there and I just fly out to them. And uh, that's how I develop my business. And now it's more like during the season, I'm probably on a plane uh, every maybe a couple of weeks or so. And then uh, I work over here at home um, Monday through Sunday. And then on the off season, I'll, I'll travel as much as possible just to build up so many other relationships too with the other facilities or uh, organizations uh, to make sure that they're all happy and just have, not like be like an ego, like, oh, this is my, this is me, stuff like that. I like to build relationships like, hey, what can I do for you to help you out? And uh, it's kind of like, I, I will follow your lead. This is not me, but this is what I did uh, with off season with this individual. So that's how I got the job with the LA Rams this past uh, off season. So this uh, training camp, I was with them. Um, and because I had worked on three individuals and they were kind of like, hey, like, I like that. And the strength, co the strength coach told them and they told, hey, I think you might want to talk to the guy we worked with in the off season. And uh, after they talked to me they go, hey, do you want to come in? And uh, we'll help out a little bit, I guess you could say, check out what we do. I'm like, yeah, sure. And I came in and uh, here we go, training camp. I was there every day, you know, from the, from the morning to the afternoon till they got done. And then anyone who was on IR or that needed extra work, I was just there as an assistant. I didn't take any charge. I was like, hey, what do you, need, you guys need me to do? So I just followed the script. If I had some input, I'll make sure to go talk to them, say, hey, can I do this? Yes or no? No, okay, don't worry. Can I do this? Yes, all right, I'll do that. So I was always making sure I'm on uh, everyone's good good note, good, good graces, I guess you can say. So you brought up social media. That's the biggest craze right now. Everyone has their workouts on Instagram. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing and why? 
it's a little bit both. Uh, I'm not going to lie. You know, it's, it's great to show what you can do. You're showing your style, I guess you can say, but then the end, there are some bad styles. Uh, I'm not to throw anyone on the table, but, um, me personally, and I just, I just told this to my, uh, my son on like, I think like Friday or Saturday, because he was like, dad, why, like, why do you have so many posts on yours? I'm like, well, I'm not gonna lie. I need to remember all my workouts. So that's my only way of remembering what I did. So I can write it down. He's like, really? It goes, yeah. Sometimes when I post something up, I think about it, I post it, and I'll. That's my way of remembering things. And uh, you know, I I think that's a great tool for me to remember stuff. Not to sound like you know I'm, I got the greatest stuff in the world, but it just it hits. It does what its job does, you know. But I think a lot of people now these days are just carrying a little overboard with uh, their their styles of training. They got this person. They got this person on on the on their workout when probably they only worked out for the one time, but they're using their name for, for clout, you know, all that stuff in general. That's awesome. Well, how could people get in touch with you if they were interested in working with you? Um, you can go on uh, IG. So there's uh, creating monsters uh, on IG or uh, my personal one, which is CM underscore J mags. Um, it's, it's still on, it's still on the creating monsters, uh, uh, IG page, uh, same thing on uh, Facebook, and then we have a website called Seamonsters uh, dot uh, org. Awesome. Well, we definitely Great. appreciate you taking the time, Justin, coming down tonight. Uh, you're welcome to hang out a little bit if you want. Uh, we're gonna talk about some other stuff, but guys, you know, if you're out there looking for a trainer, you're in high school or college, play sports, and you want to get, you know, a trainer that knows what they're doing, one of the best in the game. You got the guy right here. Definitely go to that website, go on Instagram, and, you know, this way you get to that next level. All right, guys. Really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, let me know when you come back on. I'll, I'll do All it. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate it, Justin. Thank you, Justin. Have a great one, man. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. So we wanted to – you talked about Judge, and he hasn't hit it yet. It just got walked again. I mean, I don't know. It wasn't really intentional. So it wasn't. No, no, John. If you watch okay. the event, it was not an intentional walk. Like nah, it was I'm a full. It, it. It, it was. It was an O2 count, and then he just got walked. Like it just happened. It's not like like Judge got ball. He got strikes. He just didn't get a hit. Like it just happened. Yeah. So on Twitter at like six o'clock, I asked who is the greatest home run hitter of all time, and I've got like three hundred responses so far. Easy. Um, so let's see what you guys have to say. I know I know who John's not going to say. I know John's not going to say, but I'll hear. What is what is John's? Yeah, Joe, we're going to go with you first because you're the answer that you know is going to be out there. I think Babe Ruth has got to be the greatest. I mean, just the That's way, the just the way he hit the ball, and and he was in the stadiums that are a lot bigger than the ones they have today. I mean, those some of those like center fields were almost 500 feet dead center for a lot of those old stadiums that he would hit in. So like, I think it's got to be Babe Ruth. It just and then I think Hank Aaron would be number two, right behind him. I mean, it's really interchangeable. But for me, I think Ruth just slightly ahead of um, Hank Aaron. That would be that would be my number that, one. And that was actually a decent response. I was impressed. I figured he was going to give something stupid. I thought he was going to wow. say Harold like Baines or something. No, I hate Harold <laughs> Baines. I know you do. That was a joke. All right. So that, now we're going to go to to Jake. To see what he has sure. to say on this. I mean, this comment I think says it all. I mean, JB, it's the incredible Barry Hulk. I mean, he was great before the alleged PED usage, and guess what? He was just as good after. 
Barry Bonds hit yeah, tape measure much home better runs after. like nobody. He hit tape measure home runs like nobody else. Barry Bonds was so scary at the plate because they knew how well he could hit, but they would walk him in almost any situation, which to me is the ultimate sign of respect and fear all at once, and it shows just how phenomenal of a hitter you are. Uh, and, John, I actually agree with your number two. Funny enough, I was thinking the man himself, Hank Aaron, Hammer and Hank, had to be my number two. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if you want – for for those who might complain about the PED usage, Hank Aaron would be your number one then in that case because there's no funny business with Hank Aaron so that we know you're of. Dropping, you're dropping oh. Ruth to third? Or yeah. is he not even number three on your list? Or I think he's probably it? number – he might be number three. I have to think about it. It's nothing against him. It's no, no, just, wait. Listen, it's there's just, no more you know, answer to this. I mean, no. this is a fascinating I, question. I, look, I think Babe Ruth is one of the greatest hitters of all time, no question. But I also think that, you know, I mean, granted, we, we don't so, we don't know what we know about uh, Barry Bonds, but, you know, I kind of mentioned Barry Bonds walked in places loaded situations, right? He, he'd be walked anywhere, anytime, if, because they were that afraid of him. Now, I don't know that so, Babe Ruth wasn't, but I don't know that he was, which, again, to me – that shows that ultimate sign of fear and respect that, man, this guy can really just I find beat it, us like it's nobody's business. I find it interesting, Jake, that I'm looking at Barry Bonds' stats. He has zero 50 home run seasons. Aside from the 73, there's no other season where he hit 50. Did you know that? Sorry. that I Doesn't mean, matter. I just find that crazy, like how many home runs he has. He's never broke 50 outside of that one. Yeah, you I know mean, what? I, I, think, I think what that says to me instead, while – I mean, I'm sure he's got a I mean, bunch of kind of like Cam Newton's I mean, MVP season. It's like I, I'm sure, one no, magical I'm sure season. Yeah. I'm sure he's got a bunch of 40 plus seasons. Yeah, yeah, know? he definitely does. I, I would he, guess. I would guess he, in his. How long was his career? Don't tell me. Just don't tell me how many seasons of 40 plus. How many? It was about uh, 21 years. I would guess at least six years were 40 plus. Um, so he never hit 40 until he got to San Fran. He never broke okay. 40. In, the first year so he was many, in San Fran, he broke 40. How many times did he hit over 40? Um, so in San Fran, one, two, three, four, seven. five, six, seven, eight seven. times. Eight times. Seven. All right. Even if it's seven times. Oh, no. That's it's eight. Yeah, I count right. seven. So eight yeah. times. That's my point. That's. Now, so I mean, in, and it's nothing against in anybody 14 else. Years, yeah. In 14 years in San Francisco, he hit eight seasons of 40 or more home runs. That's pretty good. So that's my point. Even though, yes, he didn't hit 50 maybe, but. He was hitting 40 plus. That's pretty and, consistently incredible. And those other kind of years, he only, so in 14 years in San Francisco, he hit 30 or more home runs all but three years. And really, yes. I mean, the one year he got hurt, he only hit five home runs. Got hurt. And then the last two years, it was 26 and 28. But that, I mean, he was aging. And that's still pretty good. I mean, you're, yeah. you're talking about almost 30 again anyway. I mean, yeah. Cause, I mean, he was again, at the end of his career. Yeah. That doesn't, that's my point. When you're talking about the end of his career, you're thinking he's going to get like 10 if yeah. he's lucky because he's getting older. Right. He's he's still cranking them out. That's kind of my point. And think about how many years, I mean, how many at-bats he lost to intentional walks. Oh, Nobody absolutely. was intentionally walked. Could like you imagine that. how many home no. runs he'd have? No, he, his, like I told you guys before, his number of intentional walks from age 37 to the rest of his career is more than anybody in the history of baseball. And that's just so, from age yeah. 37 on. It's not counting so, before age 37. Let's let's just say for argument's sake, he was walked 500 times in his career. And I'm just making this up completely. Yeah. Let's just say for the sake of argument, uh, let's say half of those would have been hits. So he just, was walked. Just half. So even if half of that was home runs, 
he'd have over so, an extra 100 home runs. So, he was so 2000, I'm going to say. 2,558 times how many times he was walked. So I'm going to say it's got to oh be. God. It's got to be Ruth because he had 11 home run seasons over 40. He had a bunch over 50. You know, he obviously had the 60, which before Maris was, you know, yep. number one. Um, but, you know, you're not really falling that far to number two. And you got to give Hank Aaron some props in here, too. I mean, the guy was the home run Absolutely. king before Bonds took that over. Absolutely. You know, so. Depends I mean, on who you ask. Some people still believe it's, it's uh, Hank Aaron. Right. I mean, if you take a dice, a three-sided dice, and roll it, you can take any one of those three. You're not wow, losing. Absolutely. You know, and I'm not saying you're wrong. No. You know. By the way, Jake, um, that 2,552, that's the walks. It's not yeah. counting intentional walks because they're separate. 688 intentional walks. So he was walked. So I was close. I said 500. Over 3,000. How many walks did he have? So he had 2,552 oh. walks. And 688 okay. intentional walks. They're separate. So combined, he has over three. Over 3,000 right? walks. Over 3,100 walks, right? So yeah. Ruth has 2,062 yeah. walks. How many at-bats did he have? What's that? How many at-bats did he have? <laughs> uh, give me one second. It should Nine, say. 9,847 at-bats. So you mean to tell me nearly a third. Without, without giving, JB giving me the actual number here. <laughs> I can just do a general uh, and the, you know, division the in my head. You're, the walks don't count as at bats. Yeah. Okay, you're right. So, so that'd be about a quarter. So that'd be a quarter of his at bats then, approximately. Yeah. yeah. What is the yeah. actual number, JB? Because I figure you're. That's you're about, to, it's about a quarter. Yeah. About a quarter. Of plate okay. appearances. So, he is twelve thousand six hundred six, counting the walks. Okay. So. So yeah, so that's Ruth had eighty three ninety nine at bats. So. I mean, okay. a little bit less as far as the number of at-bats. Um, I know Aaron's at-bats are higher. I know that for a fact. But once again, you, you're splitting hairs when you when you decide. I mean, you're you know, not choosing better. the wrong answer ever. I mean, any yeah. of those. And Ruth probably plays longer if not for uh, if not for his health. I mean, because, oh, you probably. know, he obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If not for his health, he probably plays longer and hits more home runs. I think, I guess. I think if he played longer, he'd be the undisputed number one. Yep. And this wouldn't even be a conversation. Yeah, like, I, don't, just, I think it's the fact that his health got in the way that we can even have this conversation, which is so incredible to think. I think I think the I think the greatest swings ever are are Babe Ruth and Ken Griffey Jr., the two purest swings. If I had to yeah. guess, if I had yeah, to say, even though I never that. saw Ruth, I would say those are the two purest swings. Well, See, the the thing with Griffey is if he didn't get hurt. Griffey Jr. He may be the home run king right now. He might I completely be. Completely agree. You're right. You know he was again a, splitting hairs a here. Guys that are phenomenal players. I mean, and once he went to Cincy to be with his dad, like he wasn't the same. He wasn't no. the same guy. No, no. Not at Notice all. how none of us mentioned Albert Pujols though. He's a great home run hitter, and there's no yes, question I'm about it. Not taking he's, anything away from him. No, except yeah, he's I love God. You, Jake. You just, yeah, I just, this, just, I, I, I know you're thinking it, but. You know, we got to give him his flowers right now. I mean, he hit 700. I mean, I don't care what you think of him, John. I don't care if you think he's the worst 700. I don't want to hear is. it. I don't want to hear it, though. The point is, the man hit 700. And that's pretty incredible. That is that is a Same. special milestone. I mean, is- no matter what you feel about him, that is an incredible milestone that only a few players in all of baseball have ever had. That's you, you gotta admit that's impressive. Yeah. Whether you like him or five. not. Oh, without a doubt. One of four, yeah. 
you know, it's unbelievable. Not, not even a handful have done it. That's yeah. yeah. Does anybody ever in our lifetimes, us three, does anybody ever get to 700 again? I think it's we possible. ever see Judge or or. Well, or I'll tell you, it's not going to be. Hold on. I'll tell you, it's not going to be Judge because Judge got a, a a late start to his career, and um, he's and he's injury prone. Not even that, but you know, even if you even if he wasn't injury riddled in his career, he just started late. I mean, he's already thirty years old, and he's only been in the league, I think, five years, six years, maybe. So, and, and again, it's going to take a guy like Bryce Harper who got into the league when he was like 19 years old and you have to set the league on fire for, you know, 20 yeah, years. So you're yeah. like 39 and be consistently that great. And even then it's going to be hard. I don't know. Think that about know. it. If you play 20 years and hit 30 home runs a year, you're still a hundred short. Yeah. So, you know, so, and that's phenomenal. If you tell people yeah, you can hit yeah. 30 home runs, 20 years in a row, that's insane. Yeah. So, did they have minor leagues like they do today? Like, did they have anything close to that back in Babe Ruth's day? They you know what I mean? Like, did they have to the go same. through a? Did they have to go through a minor league system, or did they just get called up? You, know, I know they had like, I know they had other leagues where there was like the Monarchs and stuff like that. But like, did they have no, to go through? I don't, you know what I mean? Not asking? to my knowledge, Dave. Not to my knowledge, was there a system where we have you know what we have today, which is Oh well, you'll go and you have to fight your way up, and then you'll make it. No, you have to go through low A ball and high A ball, and then it's like. But that's not the case for everybody. No, I know. I'm just you know saying. There are some guys that get that go through the. Don't don't forget, Albert Pujols wasn't you know automatically in in the league. He didn't just you know automatically get put on 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 St. Louis. If I don't know if you guys know the story, the story goes basically. Uh, Mark McGuire was still there and basically told, I forget who the manager was at the time, uh, but basically said, yes, you're right, it was. So he basically went to La Russa and said, you better call this kid up because if you don't, you're making a mistake. And Pujols actually took McGuire's spot. McGuire moved to the bench and they never looked back. But um, but yeah, so it's funny that you're, you're talking about the minor leagues. Pujols didn't start just automatically on the opening day roster um, when he started, he, he had to work his way up. He, he, he didn't just, you know, get put on the roster and said, here you go, kid. He, uh, he went through it. Now he didn't maybe go through it like a guy like judge who it took him a couple extra years, maybe to get to that point, but it still took time for him to get up to the majors. Well, yeah. So. I mean, with that, there's, there's not a lot of guys that come up very quickly. It takes You're right. the modern league system set up for a reason the way it is, you know, you, Baseball to be like one of the top players, it takes you time. You have to mature. Yeah, you know, it's not it's not as easy as it looks. So no, that's something right. I wanted to ask because I've been wondering that. Like, if you have a top prospect, yeah, at some point we like. Do you think in baseball they should start just pushing that aside and start calling them up sooner instead of? Instead of making them go through single A and double A and triple A and the whole nonsense, like, do you think they should just sit well, him in? You draft a guy and year one maybe sit him in double A, and then year two triple A, and boom, he's up. Like, there I think they guys, should start doing that. There are guys that you know, as a Yankee fan years ago, you see where they brought him up too early, and they weren't ready, and they just never recovered. You know, there are some guys that happens to it. it's. There's a there's an art to to uh, grooming a, a player to go from league to league and getting and going to a higher level. 
I mean, look at Aaron Judge. Skills. Aaron Judge is somebody that took time to get to the majors, but even when he was in the majors, I can tell you there is a large difference between his rookie year and now, and I have seen the development. He's changed his swing. He's changed his workout routines from what we know. He's changed the way he he's a leader, the way he plays the game. So I think the problem with that is is if you but throw him in the fire – but the problem is if you throw him into the fire too quickly, it could shatter their confidence, at least with a guy like Judge. Now, he's just an example, but he worked his way up, and he earned his spot, and now he got to here where he is. Now, um, an, an example of a guy like you're saying, John, who got thrown up really quickly and it's done well, Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah. He was only in the minors one year. Julio uh, Rodriguez. Julio, Machado, Julio Rodriguez. Machado wasn't Machado, in the minors yep. very long. Yeah, yep. there are some guys that, that they can do that. Vlad you have to Guerrero, be a special player. Vlad Guerrero Jr. You know. wasn't in the minors very long. You know, those but, are basically the stars. But you know what? But, and you look at Vlad Guerrero, he grew up with his father being a baseball player. Now, that's just one player, of course, and these other guys didn't. But, you know, it's it's not that easy. I mean, if you look at the, the all the players in the league and you pool them and think about how many, you know, had to take their licks, so to speak, in, in the minor leagues to get to where they are now, it's a good majority. And, and I would love your idea, John. It's just my fear being that I don't know that it would work. I, I, and I don't know. It doesn't mean that you're wrong. It doesn't mean that it won't. There's no, there's no knowing. The fear for me would be is that as an organization, I meant ruin a player. And so for me, the way I would think about it if I'm them is it's not worth the risk of ruining that player's potential career by bringing them up a year too early. I would exactly. rather him sit down in AAA for an extra year and him turn into the next Aaron Judge as opposed to you bring him up too early and he's just another nobody. You know? And again, you're not wrong. There's no, there's no right or wrong about this. It's just that would be my fear. So for me, that's why I'm like, ah, I don't know just, that I would I just do that. feel bad that guys have to like sit in the minors for like four years a lot of times before they ever get an opportunity. And it's like... Like you yeah, see these you know other what? leagues where that's they not signed a thing. up for it. They I don't know if I feel bad that they're getting paid to play. No, a no, minor leagues they don't, they get, don't paid get paid. Well. They don't get paid very well in the minors. Yeah, but you're taking a chance on yourself, John. You don't ever take a but, chance on but, yourself. I have a question. But, you taking but, a chance on yourself tonight? It's not it's here? not about taking a chance on yourself. You you don't like you you don't even make enough to make a living as a minor John, John so our audience tune out for a second. John, are you making enough to make a living right now? Or are you taking a chance on yourself? <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm barely, I'm barely skirting by. <laughs> but that's his so point. There, so there you go. I'm not taking a chance on myself <laughs> where I work right now. But no, I you mean, know. it's, you know what, the way I see it, and I'll, I'll leave my comments at this is they sign up for it. And I understand that they don't get paid enough. And I'm not here to argue that. Uh, you know that point. I think you're right about that, John. But these yeah, if kids, you gave a minor leaguer these, like these kids to know, a year, but these these kids know what they're getting themselves involved with if they so choose to get you know to go to the MLB draft to get potentially drafted and then be in the minor leagues. So it may take them four years, but they know that that's the risk that they're taking. And, and if they're willing also, to take it, that's on them. And, and they so, also have the option to play D1 just the college ball. And yeah, and get that's an education just, and not have that same issue with it you know, move up quicker. Again, you're not wrong, John. It's just yeah. the way I see it simply is if, if they're willing to take the risk, that's that's just on them. You can't blame baseball. Yeah, but remember, that, as an you athlete, know? your window is very small. I, so the I, more I'm not a baseball the, player. You, 
you got you have a bigger window as a baseball player. No, than any it other doesn't sport. matter what an athlete's still an athlete. You're going through the workouts. You're going through all that stuff that wears you down. Again, well, the, but they know this. They know these risks going in. There's a, there's a difference between taking your taking a chance on yourself when you're just talking on a camera as opposed to like you're doing something physically demanding that wears you down. You know, well, I can this talk is, all this day. Is demanding. My voice down. is very demanding. My voice. Not for me. This is I, mentally taxing on me, John. You oh, yeah, because you got to sit with me for an hour. Yes, exactly. exactly. That's worse than working hey, out for geez. three hours. John, it's one of the, the most difficult things to do. But yet I do it every single week, and I enjoy every minute of it. What's so take that for every week? Well. We have our next segment coming up. We got our guest coming in, David Brody. Welcome to the show, David. Welcome, guys. To I, I heard something that I never thought I would hear on this show. I heard the words, "You're not wrong, John." <laughs> it's rare, right? This you're, history. David, you are in rare air, just like the rest Learn of us are in rare air. Seeing pools hit seven hundred. These things don't happen every day. It's very special when it does. Exactly. You guys talked about giving the baseballs back. I'm sure you no, not yet. that out. No. We were talking about the best uh, home run hitters. We were talking about pools, but that is on the docket. But yeah, if you. It, well, it, I mean, Pujols is right. The ball, it, it, it belongs to the fan. And the guy who gave Pujols the uh, baseball back is not only an idiot, but he's irresponsible because, now, I don't know if this gentleman is married. I don't know if he has kids. But I can tell you, if he's with a woman and I'm the lady, I, I'm going to look and go, wait a minute. What, <laughs> do you of that baseball and you just gave it to a guy who has six quadrillion dollars you're a fool there's something more to it than money like no no, no. i think we actually touched on this a little bit last week and but no i mean what if this guy has kids who want to go to college and he's unable to put these kids through school so you know, I, I don't know what age, hypothetically, maybe the kids are teenagers. And then in a few years, the kids are like, well, you know, I'm working at a convenience store because mom and dad didn't have enough money to put me through college. And then dad can say to the kids, well, yeah, I would have a chance, to, but there was this baseball and it belonged to Albert <laughs> Pujols and I had to give it back to him. I know you kids could have had a great education, but you know what? In the next lifetime, you'll be fine. That's crazy. Yeah. John, you just said minor league baseball players should be paid more. You know, money's yep. important. But yet, the guy who gave away the ball, eh, it belongs to Pujols, who has it millions. Does. It does. I would no. give it to him for free. Uh, I would not accept uh, anything. Just, no. I, what I'll say is I respect what Pujols said because what he said is the, the souvenirs belong to the fans. That's what it is. Yep. I, and I think he understands. When I get up to bat, I hit the baseball. If it goes into the seats, too bad. It's no longer mine. It was it was never my property to begin with. It's theirs. If they want to give it to me, hey, that's on them. I, I have I'm no not going to be the one to ask them because they got a fair and square. There's what no Paul said was perfect. I love it. I, you, know you know what? If he was if he was, was so concerned, he could have bought out all the outfield seats. He could and put his people out there. You're absolutely right. <laughs> the entire outfield. Hey, so center. Right you say that. It, I was watching the whole thing. <laughs> I was watching the Yankee game yesterday. They're in Toronto. I'm not kidding. I don't know if it's true, but there was a whole outfield section with one guy sitting there. It looks like that guy may have bought the entire section 
Just so if the judge ball goes there, he gets it. That's right, smart. There's no Why no not? He gets it either because other people no. don't run. It's and worth let's, the try. let's talk about this. No. Let's talk about this. And and I, I, I have to judge what I'm <laughs> seeing. Roger Maris' kid has been sitting next to Aaron Judge's mom for what seems to be the last 60 yep. games. And I don't get it. Like, weird. Maybe I'm just not a smart guy. But I don't get this. I don't understand this. So, you know, Judge hits the home run, and his mom, as you would expect, is going to go nuts. Ah, wow, this is great. My son has just done it. Congratulations. Everybody high five. Yeah, including the guy next to me whose father had the record. Yeah, give me a hug. Give me a high five. Aren't you happy? Your dad's no, record. It's no my dad, who's out of the record books now. No, I'm not happy. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's the dumbest thing I've weird. ever seen. It's, it's got to be well, a little awkward one, for her. Well, the next one only ties it. So, well, okay, it's so still. it's still, yeah. but he'll, you know, bottom he'll line. He'll be there is, once he, he, he'll be he's going to be there. He's, he, right. He's not going to leave at 61. He's, he's going to go, be oh, there. I got 61. I'm happy. Let me leave right. now. The, the, no. You know, and Rod hasn't hit it yet. Roger is in baseball heaven, and Roger is like, son, Roger Maris Jr., you're a fool. You're as dumb <laughs> as the guy who gave the ball back you know, to judge the other day. No, you don't do that. And, and look, you know, I, I get the class thing is to say we wish him the best. Great. We wish him the best. You should say that. But to sit there next to Aaron Judge's mother just blows my you know mind. What? Who thought shows was up? A good idea. I feel if like that's a waste for, of time too. If you're huh, if you're like, if kid. he shows up for one or two games, fine. Nothing weird about it. If it happens to be the game, it happens to be. But the why game, would he want totally to be get. there? But Jake, every why game, want to be there. I feel like he's why? wasting his time. I would. I would. I, Look, if it happens once, he just happens to be there for one of the games because he wanted to go just to see. The team play and sure. judge does it. It's sure, fun. but to be there every single game, it's just kind of weird. It's like I think if I'm judge's mother, it kind of ruins the moment because I'm like, oh, I'm really sorry, but uh, yeah, my son just kicked your father's right. record. Like, like, what what is she supposed to do when 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 Aaron Judge eventually yeah. has this home run, which might be like in March or April, the way he's going? <laughs> um, what is Mrs. Judge supposed to do yeah. again with Roger Maris's kid? Oh, do I do I shake your hand? Do I high five? Do I hug? What do I do? do I say I'm sorry. So sorry, I yeah. feel terrible. You know, with what your father went through when he played for the Yankees and he lost his hair and it was horrible because everybody hated the guy. And now, you know, I'm standing next to you and my son just tied your dad. I'm sorry. This is just not a good thing, is it? No, it's not a good thing. It's a ridiculous thing. Yeah. Listen, I mean, it's just bad. It's I don't like situation. it. I mean, I get, you know, the, the thought process of it. It makes it look good. The families are there. But if you're that family, if you're the Maris family, like you said, do you want to sit there and say, "Congratulations, you beat you beat my dad, who's dead," and you know all the struggles he had? That's a hard thing, especially when you get into multiple games of doing it. You do yeah. it one night, you do it two nights. Now they're you know in Toronto. That's all right. It's a little weird. Up. But did you notice that there's a seat in between them? Did you notice that? No, and I oh. can't imagine what it's for. It's either for Elijah. Or for Roger Maris Sr. I'm not sure. 
But either way, a little bit. It's even weirder now. Yes, there is this a seat there. It's, it somehow manages to get weirder and weirder with every passing second. Exactly. Exactly. Do we have time for one more topic? We yes. sure do. Speaking of weird, so you know we've got these storms in Florida, hurricanes. We had a tornado warning. Tom Brady and his teammates are down here in South Florida because Tampa is apparently yep. going to get hit. Yep. And uh, his kids are here. Who isn't here with Tom Brady? Again, Tommy's Ooh. here. Little kitties are Giselle. here. Oh, Madam Giselle. She's not here because I wonder she's why. upset because her husband retired. And how audacious of this guy to come out of retirement and play yet another season in the oh, NFL. This is like his 38th year or something like that. But, you know, I think Brady, Tom Brady has done enough where if he wants to unretire, I think the world should say, you know, you're the greatest. Go, go play another year. I just don't think, and guys, if I'm wrong, stop me. I don't think that Tom Brady is the worst catch in the world. I really don't. If you're Giselle, you look at this guy. Okay, let, let's look at the boxes. He's not a bad-looking guy. He earns no. a good living. Even when he's playing, he's off about, I don't know, 26 Half weeks a year. I don't think that's too bad. I'm guessing, I could be wrong, I'm guessing that Giselle probably never changed a diaper in her life. I, I'm thinking they might have a nanny two, three, or four along with two cooks and chauffeurs and people uh-huh. like that. And and the fact she went public and she threw her husband under the bus. It's like, this is terrible. All you right. should be home with the kids. No. The thing that will always bother me most about this, and it's real simple. They got married how many years ago now? She's been married to him all this time. You signed up for a woman if you don't like it, you shouldn't have married him. Right. Because if you know anything about Tom Brady, and I'm somebody that has never even met the guy, I can tell you just as a, a watcher of football, he has a work ethic like nobody else. And getting him to stop is going to be impossible. I will be the first person to tell you. I've been saying for 10 years now, and that's not even an exaggeration. He's only, he's 45, so really since his mid-30s, I've been saying, ah, next year will be his last year. Next year will be his last year. If you know anything about him, you know he's just almost never going to stop, it feels like. So for her to be upset is so ludicrous. You know how your husband is. You know he loves the game. Why would you think You know this that, is what you signed that, up for. But why would you act surprised if he decided, <clears throat> I'm just not done yet? Okay, don't be that surprised. This is this is how Tom Brady is. This is This is his personality. This is his life. So I love that you brought up this topic. Last night I was scrolling through some news articles and I ran into an article about Magic Johnson and his comeback. So this kind of fits to that a little bit. Magic Johnson had AIDS. He was out of the NBA for a few years and he had to convince his wife that he wanted to come back and she she wasn't down with it. She didn't want him to start playing again. So they had an agreement that he would only come back for one year and he had to pay her a million dollars. So... You know, Tom Brady's got it off pretty good with this. He's not paying Giselle because Giselle makes more money. And a million dollars back then was a lot more than a million dollars. I don't don't understand that. I I don't even get that. So Magic Johnson 
who was making all the money, and I'm sure Cookie in her day was a very good worker at Jack in the Box or wherever she might have been. Um, but he's paying her a million dollars for what? So he can go to work? So he could go play again. And it was only, yeah. he was only allowed called, to play one can year. I, can I just say something? <laughs> it's called a man card. Okay? Magic Johnson, go out and buy one. But yeah, so he... he Gave Cookie a million dollars so he could play one year. They lost in the first round of the playoffs to the Rockets, and that was it. You know, the whole Giselle situation, though, it's just weird. You know, the only thing I could think of, maybe she thought he was going to be home with the kids, and, you know, the kids wanted to have their dad around. But being a football player, it's probably the one sport where you have the most time at home. You get 26 weeks vacation. How much vacation do you get, JB, at your job? How much? What do you get? Two weeks, three weeks a year? Jake, John, what do you guys get? Two, three weeks? Uh, I get about two yeah. weeks. Two weeks, Jake. I'm I'm at school, so you're I in school. Co- All right, I don't have an excuse. You, you you get a lot of time off. You're in school. Yeah, stay so, stay in school. <laughs> yeah. So you know, Tom Brady has a good job. With this job, he gets you know like twenty five million dollars a year, and he gets like twenty six vacation weeks per calendar year. I don't think that's a bad gig. He's around a lot more than 99.99% of the male workers in yeah. in this country. And, oh, my, you know, look, she's entitled to her opinion. It's wrong, but she's entitled to her opinion. Um, but to me, the worst part of it is when she went public with this, really, my Tommy isn't around. He isn't with the kids as much as he should be. You know my what? Here's an idea, that. lady. Shut up up so what does she feel about the fox contract that he's going to be announcing games and he's going to be away doing that was that okay right 30 you know, million so, dollars uh, yeah, year, whatever. yeah it's a very good point yeah right that's the only the only time where i wonder you know if, if what she's saying is genuine or she's using that for something else you know maybe her concerns are legitimate that she's afraid he gets hurt that he's not around with the kids full-time like being retired but oh, at the uh-huh. same time was is she okay with the 30 million for fox because she can't have it both ways yeah, and you know what? You can't really have Tom Brady to yourself. You know, yeah. Tom Brady is can't want Tom Brady of the. When you're a celebrity like that, you don't right. have that luxury. Right. Exactly. You want an anonymous schlub? You can find plenty of them at the YMCA. I wanted to give you guys some Magic Johnson insight because I had no idea about this, and I'm sure nobody on this panel had any idea. Magic Johnson was getting paid by the Lakers as a player all the way up until 2009. Did you know that? He had a Bonilla deal. I was going to say Bobby Bonilla. <laughs> he had a Bobby Bonilla deal all the way up to 2009. Um, so that. here's his, his money. Uh, he made – so he stopped playing in 90, and then he came back in 95. He still got paid in 92, 93, and 94. Even though he didn't play, he still had a – he got paid 2.5 million, 2.5, 2.5, and 1 Sounds million. Those years he wasn't playing. He wasn't even, like, in the league, basically. And then after he retired, he got $1 million the year he played, 32 games. And then after that, he got $1 million every year from 1996 right, so all John, the way to 2009. That, that's yeah. all that was for tax. Yeah. No, I know. I just, I just thought that was interesting. Like, I never really knew that about Magic Johnson, that he was still getting paid the years he wasn't like, in basketball. And then the years after he, he retired until 2009. He had, a, he had a good agent that realized the way to get the most out of his contract. That That's genius. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Pay less taxes. I just always enjoy whenever I find out about like those crate, like the AI deal where, you know, you see a deal where he gets paid for life. 
You know, like those deals are just funny yeah. to me. I'm still so. confused as to why he was giving Cookie a million dollars. I, I I don't understand. To shut her up. That's probably somebody what please explain terrible. that to I'm, me. I'm that's confused it. how he was still married. <laughs> well, that's that's wanted to, based on the rumors that we've heard. Yes, he wanted peace at home, but he wanted to play basketball. A million dollars. Eh, look at how much you think a million and not play it. You're going to give your wife money so you can go and enjoy your life? Really? He sure enjoyed life. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, that was fun. Guys, we're about out of time. Uh, John, you want to start us off tonight? Blue Hawks 13. Uh, David, where can people find you? Uh, Sportsbroadcastingcoach.com. David at sportsbroadcastingcoach.com. JB underscore the program. Come back at 11 to watch Confidential. Jake? Guys can find me at Jake underscore Malik on Twitter. Uh, more importantly, as you see, going across the bottom of the screen, Instagram and Twitter is Sideline Sport 1. YouTube and Facebook is Sideline Sports. Uh, we are on TikTok. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, DBTV. Absolutely everywhere. Just look up Sideline Sports and you'll find us. But on that note, everybody have a good one, and we'll see you next week. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's no, that's my, dad. my name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. No more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid.